Welcome to another episode of the Frankie Lee Podcast. Our mission, to empower others to break patterns, flip perspectives, so that together we have clarity, direction, and success way beyond what we ever previously thought possible. Here's your host, Frankie Lee. First things first, guys, before we get started with this podcast, do me a solid favor and subscribe to this on whatever platform you're listening to it right now, whether that's YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, I'd appreciate if you just hit that subscribe button and it lets me know that the content that I'm putting out for you guys is hitting your ears at the right time. Much love. This podcast is sponsored by contentremover.com. So whether you're looking to remove any images, videos, search results, fake Instagram accounts, get in touch with us at contentremover.com. Welcome back to the Frankie Lee Podcast. This is the third attempt at this intro. I'm not even going to lie to you. I have the one and only... Darling of Australia, I'm going to say that, I'm going to say it to you, because you've been in everything. You've been in Neighbours, you've done Dancing with the Stars, you've done SAS Australia. There's, there's, to be honest, the face of Maya now, I saw the other day as well. Erin yeah. McNaught, welcome to the podcast, welcome to the new set. Check it out on YouTube, guys, I'd appreciate it, and welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you, thanks for having me on. I apologise for my first two fuck-ups on the first two That's intros, all right. I mean, like, I've done I've done a lot of weird stuff, so. <laughs> <laughs> it can get confusing. Do, do you know what? Do you know what? The, the best place I think we can start with you is where a lot of people will never, ever have heard of this before. The you were the downhill mountain biking champion of Australia, right? Uh, yeah. Well, I was, I, was a, <laughs> I was Australian mountain bike champion for my age group. Um, yeah. yeah, so that was everything. So it was downhill, cross country, uphill and trials. Um, I don't even know if they, I don't even think they have those events specifically anymore. I think they've got like enduro and stuff, but yeah, back in, uh, way back in 1996, I was 14. Um, and my dad, my mom, myself and my brother were all Australian champions in our age group. We just like dominated, uh, the mountain biking world because it was, it was a lot smaller back then. It's, it's taken off since then, but, um, yeah, we were, we were like the OGs, <laughs> the OG mountain bikers. You, you, you were the OGs before before it even became a thing. Yeah, but what the re- the reason why I wanted to go into the athletic stuff for a start is because obviously you are an you are obviously a, a mom and obviously you have got things going on. You do your modelling career, but like on the socials, you're just such an active like active mum. Like I don't even know how I don't even know how you manage half the things that you do. <laughs> Because like if you're not on TV and doing this, that and the other, you're you're out there with the kids, you're looking after. I know when I did the the podcast with V, an example, like he was saying that like you do, you to do your, all your own cleaning and stuff. And I know it sounds like, when I say that, it sounds like, yeah, I do my own cleaning. But like, no, no, no you haven't seen the size of the fucking house. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean, I mean it, it is a big fucking house. <laughs> <laughs> it's a big fucking house. Because I was just trying to work, I was just trying to, Work it out, like okay, that's cool. You do your own cleaning, but like, how the fuck do you get the time? Um, oh, it, it <laughs> we we kind of we 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 sort of set aside nights for for different things. So some nights it's like movie and wine night. Some nights yeah, it's yeah. clean the massive fucking house night. <laughs> some <laughs> nights it's like fold the washing. Um, it's and then you, I mean, you just sort of do little bits at a time. Really, it's just because. Yeah. Like that, you you just kind of oh needs a vacuum quick get the vacuum cleaner out like I don't know we're like we're not those people that has to you know clean do a three hour clean every every week re- or whatever and the reason I mentioned it is because like 
obviously look now you, you're you're more known as a presenter a model and all that kind of stuff is what you're doing now but like let's just take this morning for example you're up at 5am you've done your magic million stuff your engagements for magic millions which is the horse racing stuff for those yeah. of you that don't know and then you've got and then you've gone, to, then you've done Zooms and conference calls and all this stuff and, and sorted all this stuff out. And, that, and that's before you've even come here. You've done another three interviews, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. Did three interviews and a Zoom call, yeah. I know. <laughs> this this mum life thing, like, what's the secret? Well, I mean, that, that's not a typical day for me. This this is the sort of, this is how my work works um, in that I go away for a couple of days or I, you know, I do a, yeah. a two-day job or a three-day job. And in that time, I schedule in all of my other work. So, you know, the interviews I did this morning, two of them were for Magic Millions, but one of them was separate um, for something else. Um, because it is very, very difficult to try and do an interview when you got the kids screaming in another room. And they don't understand, you know, they're four and seven. And, you know, you say, oh, mummy's just got to do some work. Like, I'm just going to shut the door. Just be quiet for a bit. It's like, they don't understand that. They're like, yeah. mom, mom, mama, mama, I'm hungry. It's like, okay, but I just gave you toast. Like, just leave me alone for 10 minutes. Um, so it, it is, I, you know, if I do have something sort of pretty important on, I do try and like leave the house to do it or I'll go sit in the car. I know Elliot does the same thing. You know, sometimes he goes, oh, I'll be back in 10 minutes. And like half an hour later, I'm like, where are you? And he's like, texted me from downstairs he's like oh, I'm just sitting in the car in the garage just on a zoom call because it's the only yeah. way you can actually do it properly and and focus on on what you're actually trying to talk about yeah and a, a, and a lot of people won't realize this either that that obviously you t- you two do do a little bit of work together because obviously you, I don't know if you know I know this <laughs> here, we <laughs> here we go because <laughs> you wrote the chorus to his new beat didn't you I did yeah <laughs> we can actually talk about this now I'm, I'm this is actually like I've done a lot of cool stuff in my career, um, but this is up there with with one of my proudest moments. Um, I've I've always been very musical. Um, I played trumpet, um, sort of in in you know the high school symphonic band when I was still in primary school, um, and I played bass guitar. In a, I was in a punk band for a bit. Um, and in I've Seattle, all, in, in Seattle, oh, no, just after Seattle, the yeah. the band I formed over here in in Brisbane. But um, but I've always like been obsessed with music like obsessed and I you know I've got I think I've got quite a good ear and um one day uh Elliot got sent a beat over by uh this drum and bass producer from UK called K9 yeah and I, I, yeah. normally Elliot listens to his beats separately and then he plays it to me and he's already got something in his head about what he wants to do like he's whether it's the the vocal or or the melody or whatever and this was the first time that I was sitting there when he was listening to the beat for the first time. And I just sort of started humming this melody. And he was like, what was that? That was sick. So I sort of like hummed it again and he like did a voice memo of it. And we just refined ourselves, sort of like just sing some words. And anyway, um, he liked it and turned it into a song. And so now I've got publishing credits um, on Spotify. Um, I'm getting like, you know, 33% or whatever um, for writing the chorus and melody to yeah, to his new sick. single. So it's called Never Let You Down. Um, it's K9. I, th- I think that's coming out in February? Yeah. February. Yeah, really soon. It's yeah. uh, K9 featuring Example and Penny Ivy. Sick. So yeah, that's I'm like, so I'm like officially I, I, a songwriter. <laughs> I can see how much that lights you up, but that's that, that was kind of like the first time because obviously for me, so like to give you guys a bit of an example, example on this <laughs> example, right? But you imagine as a as a, when I was growing up in the UK and leaving school, right? 
and working on sites doing carpentry and not not really enjoying my life and and not really doing what what really lit me up like I'm trying to do now yeah. everything I do you imagine like I was listening to example on the radio in the car this and the other do you know what I mean like I this was before I'd even met him yeah as a human he, being. he's sort of been like a bit of an institution I guess um in in the in, UK in, in the UK right so so growing up I was, I was always I was always around it so it's quite surreal to me like to 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 obviously step into your house and to see him to to see the guy that I listened to on listened to on the on the radio watched on TV since I was a young child yeah and then it was beautiful for me to see like how how you two like were together how you ran your house together how you operate as a couple it's just all like very to me it's how couples should be like, do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I mean, you only see one side of it, but I, obviously, yeah. <laughs> obviously, I, I, obviously, you only see the good side. The, the, there's obviously good and bad, and obviously, there's, you, you, you're going to have disagreements and all that stuff, which is nice. Which but, is, but that's normal. But, but I just thought how how good it was of the. I just fully, I fully want to tell you this on here that I fully rate the dynamic of it and how it all works because obviously, my my mom and dad have been married like 42 years. and it's beautiful and all that stuff, and it's very rare these days to see that. What do you kind of think is the is the secret to 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 having a successful re- relationship when you're both out there pursuing things that are just massive? Like you, you both have massive goals in different fields. Yeah. Like you, if you're modelling in your TV, example with his music and everything else that he's doing, and and all the other stuff that I know he's got planned that we can't talk about just yet. But do you know what I mean? Like everything's you, you're both so driven. It's like how does it, how do, how does it come together? Because that's where a lot of people struggle. Yeah. Um, I guess uh, Elliot has always been really, really supportive of me. Um, he, you know, when when we first met in 2011, I was still sort of on the up career-wise living in Sydney. Um, 2012 was my highest earning year ever, like by far, like by far. And that was the year that I quit everything. Like I gave up, I, I finished, you know, I saw my contracts out. I had contracts with probably six or seven different major brands. Um, and I basically saw those contracts through. And then as soon as they were over, which was sort of mid-2012, I quit it all, gave it all up and moved to London um, to be with Elliot because I just – I've always been sort of quite um, – not fatalistic, uh, just I, I, I don't – I've never really had a, a, a lifelong career goal or like a – even long-term career goals I've always just sort of seen a little opportunity here and ducked into it without really even thinking I've I love spontaneity I love just kind of finding myself out of my comfort zone and um and just kind of going oh okay cool I have no experience whatsoever doing this but I'm gonna just fucking do it (laughs) and um and so when I met Elliot you know the the spark was there um from the get-go and I spoke to my parents about it. My mum was a bit more sort of hesitant. She was like, oh, Ezzy, you, don't, you know, you don't know. He might have a girlfriend in every city or whatever. But my dad was just like, go for it. Like, if it doesn't work, come home. So, so, so at the time you were presenting, what, what show were you presenting in Australia um, at the time? I was presenting, uh, I worked for MTV um, and then also had a radio show called the uh, Hot 30 Countdown. Yeah. Uh, which is how we met. I, I interviewed him for that because he had a, a number one stay awake just kind of came out that that year um and yeah I just kind of I'd I'd been sort of rolling along not really feeling like I was pushing myself that much or or being challenged in my career um I loved my job with MTV like that was awesome that that was like my dream job um but 
I just kind of like, I, I just, I met Elle and I was like, you know what, I'm just going to go for it. And I moved to London and spent the next couple of years just like, he was at the height of his career as well. Um, and he was touring, you know, nine, 10 months of the year. So I just went around with him, like all through Europe, Ibiza, Mallorca. Like, I think I saw like 17 different cities in Europe in my, my first three weeks there. Like it was That's just, mad, it was just yeah. mad. But um. I guess when we when we moved back to Australia, I started to feel that pull again towards wanting to to be a bit more goal focused. And you know, I'd, I'd I'd had my kids, I'd been a stay at home mom, like holding the fort while Elliot went out and you know did his thing. And he was always very mindful of that. He knew that one day I'd want to get back out there because I'm not the sort of the stay at home type. You know, I, yeah, I love yeah, socializing. Yeah. I love getting yeah. out there and getting involved and and just feeling that sense of self worth that working actually gives you. Um, doing what you love gives you. Yeah. So as far as, you know, when, when opportunities started to arise, there was that initial, um, kind of disparity. Like he'd be like, but I've got this on. I'm like, yeah, but I've got this on. It's like, your work is not more important than mine. And he recognized that. And so now it's just about, okay, well, what are the non-negotiables? It's like, okay, you've got this, this, and this that you have to do. Therefore, I have to work around that or I've got this and this and this that I really want to do. Yes. And, and so you just, you just have to constantly communicate and just make it work. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) So so it's literally, it's literally like the, the kind of like you've, you've both got the non-negotiables on what you need to both achieve in your lives. Yeah. So then you can both work around those so that both people are fulfilled in a relationship is what you're saying. Yeah, exactly. And that's not just work, you know, whether that's going to the gym, like for me, training has always been the thing that keeps my my mental health like good yeah you know like I just love it weren't you on the front cover of like um women's health after like 10 weeks yeah of so you you, the way I understand it is the (laughs) fact of you'd you'd obviously had had uh, Evanda wasn't it yeah Evanda you you had Evanda and then obviously 10 weeks later you're on the front cover of women's fitness yeah we're women uh women's health Health, Australia yeah. yeah women's health yeah how do you how do you that's that's a testimony to your fitness and and to everything that you do and how you live your life (laughs) kind of I mean to be honest when um before I fell pregnant well before we planned on becoming pregnant um you know we were we were living the high life like not not really like that sounds really bad um but you know the the life of a touring artist in the UK is pretty full on you know there's lots of drinking there's there's lots of parties um and when we sort of felt like okay might be time to have kids we sort of calmed down a lot obviously then when I fell pregnant you know no drinking no going out late it was just like I threw myself into fitness because it was the one thing that um that I I felt passionate about anyway and it was the one thing that I could do and so I did a lot of research into um the effects of like high intensity exercise during pregnancy and found some incredible um you know scientific articles about how high intensity exercise during pregnancy actually um essentially makes your baby smarter so babies that are born uh, to mothers who did high-intensity exercise during pregnancy are born with more neural pathways in their brain than babies who are not. Wow. Um, so they're essentially born smarter and more well-developed in the brain. Um, that is something I've never, ever yeah, heard of. It's, so it's, it's, it's not really 
well, it's not publicised at all because not everybody is suitable for that sort of in, in, intensive yeah. exercise. You have to have been doing it before you fell pregnant um, and to be able to continue it. Um, but it, it also means that your child um, is less likely to develop, to develop certain types of cancers. Their cardiovascular health, like their heart health, is um, essentially like uh, boosted until the age of six. Like I'll, I'll find the article for you. It's mental. It, wow. I was just reading it, and and so the more I read about it, the more I was sure of what I was doing. And I copped a lot of criticism, you know, on social media whenever I'd post like videos of me doing this high intensity exercise, or whatever, because people just couldn't understand how it was okay. The, the thing is, with the, 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 there's good and bad about social media. So obviously, like with social media, it allows us to reach more people, so we can we can tell them about what we're doing and how we're trying to change the world. Or do our bit for the world which is fantastic but social media also allows a lot of people to have an opinion who potentially don't even know each side of the, the opinion yeah they're having. i mean you can do do, I mean? you can just type a comment and post it and it's done and, and without any sort of reflection on the damage that it may cause um but i mean that, like it never bothered me i'll just come back and like give them the link to the article and be like read this and they've got no leg to stand on. So it never it never upset me. I think what upsets me more is that, you know, especially in the UK, not so much here in Australia, but when I was pregnant in the UK, doctors would be like, oh, just, you know, a little bit of exercise is good, but just keep it low impact. Just just yeah. go for walks. And I'm like, go for, go for walks. Like I've been doing bloody eight hours of HIIT training a week. Like, yeah, and now yeah, I'm just yeah. going to walk? No, yeah. no thanks. I, th- I, think it, I think it all comes down to the fact of like, as a woman, you you know what's right for your body at that time. Exactly. So it's like yeah. so it's like most most women, are, I think, from what I've seen, can, if they're if they're used to training in that intensity, they can probably train at that intensity probably until like the last three months. Then they might have to tone it down a bit. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you, you've got to have low impact options. Obviously, you can't do certain things like you can't do sit ups because the baby's weight can cut off the blood supply to your legs. Yeah, um, because yeah. Of the, whatever it is. Um, but I just modified everything. So instead of doing like sit-ups, I'd do like, you know, standing sort of like knee, knees, knee, like, yeah, like yeah, yeah. knees, basically. Um, so you're, you're using your obliques as opposed to your abs. Um, so you're keeping your core strong. So um, like, you know, again, I copped criticism because my belly wasn't big enough. And I was like, well, that's because I've maintained all the... Yeah. You know, the muscles around the... To keep the, to keep to hot. To, to hold yeah, it in. So hold I don't it. know. I mean, I, everybody's body is different and that's not going to be the case for everybody. But I just, I've always been really into um, anatomy and um, I actually did human movement at uni um, for like a year and a half. So I, I know about basic anatomy and I know how the, 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 you know, the muscle structures work and, you know, different muscle groups and, and what's going to be affecting the baby and what's not. So... It was. It's just. It's quite intuitive. I think. I, I just love the fact that for 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 you got to understand. Obviously, I was born in England. I came here at like twenty six years old. I land here. I'm like, I can't believe the shape of people in this country. Like in terms <laughs> of like your average average forty year old ma- man called Jeff down the road here. He he's up at six a.m. running down the road, mm. doing doing bits active out there walking. This that, never like there's some. The difference in lifestyle from Australia to UK is just chalk and cheese. Yeah, I chalk mean, that, 
that's right for certain areas you know gold coast especially um i know you know if you if you go into certain other parts of australia it's not it's not like that you know we we yeah, do yeah. still have an obesity epidemic but yeah. it is con- constrained to a you know smaller areas i guess um but yeah, in terms of like what you see on the street in a regular city or town in Australia compared yeah. to in the UK, it is it is quite a big difference. It's qu- I think it's quite inspiring for anyone to come over here and just to have a look though. Yeah. Like if you if you if you just if you just imagine if you came came from the UK now and just landed here and just walked down this down yeah. down down surfers or I mean beach. you you live <laughs> you live in like an area where people are very very conscious of of their health and fitness um i think more so than other areas of australia but yeah but as a whole i think i think we are quite a a health and fitness based population especially now more and more is that is that why then you decided i mean because obviously you and e have the chance to to live anywhere right you know you can you with with what he does he could perhaps you could perhaps live in a Dubai and live in a tax-free lifestyle, or you could do this and you could do that. You could do whatever you wanted, right? Why was it? Was it just because you wanted that family environment? And you came back to Australia. It was a combination. Of, we we kind of always always knew that we we're going to move back to Australia from London. Um, we discussed it after we had our our first boy uh, that we wanted our kids to go to school here. Um, we tossed up whether to go to Sydney because I obviously lived in Sydney for quite a number of years um but ultimately we decided on Brisbane because first of all it's my hometown um but mostly it's because we sort of felt like the a lot of the people that that you find in Sydney have moved to Sydney to be something or do something specific kind of like LA you know you go to LA and they're like oh you know like I want to be an actress or whatever it's like Sydney kind of has that element to it and I I'm past that like I'm 39 I don't want to I just want to live my 39. life. 39? So, yeah. Elliot and I are both 39. Fuck, you know, you For, do not 40 in 39. May. 40 in May. Wow. Fuck. <laughs> it's Fuck old. It it's now. so old. Um, but yeah, we just, we just, uh, Brisbane, the people that live in Brisbane are just so happy and easygoing and, and I mean, Australians in general have a really good sense of humour. Like, we're quite dry, I think, yeah. as a whole, as a it nation. Ta- it takes a little while. I mean, I, I, the differences between Aussie humour and British humour are, are are chalk and cheese yeah, too. Yeah, British humour is very much like we'll just banner the fuck at you. Yeah. We, we just don't stop. Which I was I was so taken aback by. Like I remember the first time going on a, on the tour bus with with Elliot and his band, and so the tour buses over there. I don't know if you've seen them. There. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we had like the Phoenix tour bus, which is like the best one you can get. Um, they're like all LED lights. They're two story. You walk in the little door on the side. There's like a toilet, a shower, a kitchen, little table and chairs. Then you go upstairs. There's like the back lounge area. It's got this huge TV. Um, you know, it can seat like 12 people or something. Yeah. Um, it's all like cool LED lights and stuff. So you can have like proper raves back there. And then there's 14 bunk beds. Proper raves. <laughs> um, Responsible mum here. Yeah. <laughs> before, before I had kids. Um, and I remember sitting on the two of us like after one of the shows and we're all just sat in the back lounge, you know, having some drinks after one of the shows and the banter that's just like, boom, 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 just like yeah. bullet, 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 bullet. 
And I just, I couldn't even keep up. I was just, my, my head felt it's like a non- ping pong ball. It's non-stop. It's non-stop. Yeah. As soon as I land at Heathrow Airport, <laughs> as soon as I get in, I might get in a taxi with a Jamaican and he'd be like, and he'd be fucking bantering me as soon as I got out, as soon as I got out the airport door. It's, it, it's, a, it's a proper skill. Like it's a real skill. It took me a long time. It took me probably two or three years before I had like, before I was able to just to like, have that banter that, yeah. that, that Elliot and all his bandmates did. Um, whereas Australian humour, it's much more dry and kind of, it's a bit more, it can come across as quite cynical and yeah. and also aloof. I think, you know, especially with men, you know, like if you, if you observe a group of men in a conversation, it's still banter, but it's much more kind of measured and a bit more like, huh, like you know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. and, you know, it, it, there's not, it's not as sort of... I, I, it, we just... I think it, the way I, the way I see it for for like the English side of things is, it's just we got shit weather, right? <laughs> so, so we wake up in the morning and it's already. Sh- we walk out the door. We're like, fuck. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. We walk out the door. We're like, we've got to really make like fuck it out. How how are we going to make today good? But like when I when I was in a when I was a carpenter, I was earning three hundred and eighty pounds a week, right? Which is not a lot of money. Yeah, I had to make it fucking enjoyable. Like, do you know what I mean? The way that you make it enjoyable is, is all the banter. You know what I mean? Hanging the apprentice upside down on the crane and doing all this shit. <laughs> that's not banter. That's like assault. <laughs> in Australia, it's assault. In England, that's banter. Do you know what I mean? That's pure banter in England. Like, I'm serious. Like, it's it's just it's just a different a different way of operating. I think because because of all like the weather and everything else, like you just need to operate differently. It's yeah. just a totally different sense of humour and people. When I first came over, here, I didn't, I didn't get it. I thought, why, why are these women so offended at me? Like, because, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, oh, I remember coming out here as a young lad, calling women like sugar tits and stuff. Like, <laughs> and I'm like, why is this chick getting offended? Like, you know, sugar tits. It's just, just saying, but it's like, do you know what I mean? Sweet nips. Do you know what I mean? Like, like, I was just, because oh, you, you just, you just walk out of England. You just like, you're just like a boy, isn't you? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Actually, that, that's one thing I that I did notice is that a lot of the women in the uk talk exactly the same as the men it's like the banter between men and women in the uk is almost indistinguishable whereas in australia it's like that whole kind of aussie barbecue thing where the men sit down one end of the table and the girls sit up the other yeah. like oh you know There's get a back up to your separation posts, sheila like it's it is it is or it used to be a lot more misogynistic um i grew up you know, feeling very comfortable hanging out with guys. I've got two older brothers. And so I just kind of gravitated towards guys more so than, than girls. Um, plus I moved around a lot as a kid. Um, well, not a lot, but I, I lived overseas, came back, had to go into a different grade, had to make new friends and stuff. So I just always found guys so much easier to talk to. Yeah. Um, girls like, I don't know, girls with their insecurities and stuff. I mean, everyone's got insecurities, but I just never really got the whole bitchiness or like, oh, she's talking to blah, blah, blah. It's just like, how would you, if you were going to give someone advice on how to get over their insecurities to become more comfortable with themselves, how would you, what would you say to them? Oh God. I mean, I was, I was painfully insecure for years and years. Like I, I, I was actually a really, really shy kid and, and young adult. Um, I struggled to even, even now actually Elliot laughs. I struggle to make phone calls. Like, 
or text? You emailed me. Do you know what, right? I, <laughs> I didn't it, have your phone number. It, yeah, you did. In the did invite. I? In the invite. Oh, right? in the invite. I, okay, sent okay, the, I, I sent out the invite to the podcast. <laughs> I sent out the invite. I said, buzz me if when you're close. And she said, yeah, I'll ring you when I'm five minutes away. Your words, not mine. That was what you said to me. <laughs> and then I think, I think, I think you know, it gets to 12 o'clock and I'm thinking, where is she? I was checking I was me, I, I'm checking my phone and this that and that and she's and I'm like I just fucking because I was bored I flicked the emails on because you always do that when you're bored I flicked the emails on I'm like there's an email from you going hey mate I'm five minutes late do you want a coffee and I'm like it's a fucking email <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realise you'd already sent your number by that stage sorry I called oh, you after cr- yeah you did yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no but um, I don't know I'm a, I can make a phone call quite confidently but you know, it's, text it's, is easier. It's, it's just, it just, it just shocks me a little bit because obviously, when you've stood on TV and presented the kind of shows like MTV and stuff like you've presented, yeah. Plus, you've been like dancing on the stars and all this stuff. You've done, you've done a lot of stuff that's public facing stuff. Yeah. How, how I shit myself every time. What even on TV? Yeah, absolutely. I'm terrified, and that's why I do it because I like to push myself outside of my comfort zone. Dancing with the Stars was the most terrifying thing I've ever done in my life because I'm not a natural dancer. Like, I know everyone can dance, but I'm like... And you love an injury, you do. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, I broke two ribs on that show. (laughs) Fucking hell, man. No. um, What about the time you cut your finger before the Pepsi? Pepsi? Oh, man, that was was bad. Like, the scar is like... So, the scar goes around there, around there, around there. Show them on YouTube. Wow. Right, so so basically, I was um, I was I was I was Explain hosting this. I was hosting a TV show called Cyber Shack, which was a gadgets and gaming show, and this is back in two thousand and nine, I think. Um, and I was reviewing a prototype of it was like the first um electric dirt bike yeah. ever ever created, and it was a prototype, um, by Yamaha, and there was no light or any indication that told you whether the bike was switched on or off. I wasn't allowed to ride the bike because I didn't have my my bike license. So I was pushing it up the hill um, to you, get to get into spot. Yeah, and I've turned around to ask my producer a question. As I've turned around, revved I've revved it, and it Superman me forward, and I've landed on the rear wheel as it was spinning. <sighs> and I had Kevlar gloves on. I had full like like everything. Oh man! And I was just I've like, it's fallen onto the rear wheel, and the and the disc brake is just like sliced in. I was like, oh, my fingers caught on. Oh. Uh, my fingers caught that's not gonna be good and I've kind of pulled my finger and it was hanging the wrong way (laughs) it was hanging it was hanging by that flapper skin there like it went through everything and I've just like (laughs) I've just like collected the finger and just like grabbed it and I'm just gone I've cut my finger off take my hospital and the guys that had like brought the bike around were like really lovely guys they were like give us a look give us a look I'm sure it's not that bad and he's gone I'm like no 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 no." he's like give us a look I've like let go and he's gone oh okay yep better just keep the pressure on that one (laughs) better just keep the pressure on it so I'm like so I'm like I'm nearly passing out like I don't know if you've ever had like a pretty severe injury but like I didn't realise you just want to vomit and pass out at the same time so I was Mm. just like "Mm, mm," and they like sat me in the back of the ute Ambulance has come. They're giving me the green whistle. And I'm like, woo. I called my mum. I just cut my finger off. She's like, what? She's like back in Brizzy and I'm in Sydney. And she's like, do you, wow. do you need me to fly down? I'm like, nah, I'll be fine. So I get to hospital and I'm in, um, I'm in like the like little holding ward or whatever. And, and the like women just kept coming in and having babies and like 
So I was like, just kept not going into surgery. Cause yeah, because obviously um, the delay, delaying you in, yeah. the, in the operating room. So it was, it was like 48 hours before they could operate oh on me. God. And I was just in like agony. agony. Like, and my finger, when they finally like, it was black. And I'm like, how are they going to reattach that? It's like dead. <laughs> they managed to do it. Um, and that yeah, is, it works pretty well now. Like that, I had good, good that, rehab. That, so. that make, honestly, that <laughs> makes me squeamish as like, oh. Yeah. I'm telling you fun. that. that <laughs> So how did you break your ribs? Oh, that was just from doing repeated lifts and like throws. So my my dance partner, um, Jules, would um, he did this move where I would jump up into his arms. He would like sort of pop me up like that off his elbows. Yeah, I'd do a full three sixty spin like roll in the air, and then he'd catch me. And it was just the repeated. Like, See that that baffles me how they can teach you that in so many weeks on a TV show. Yeah, it's, I mean that we, is intense. It, we were training six hours a day minimum for like five or six days a week for f- only four weeks in the lead up. So your body's just by the time you actually get to the performance, like you're busted. Time, you're you, busted. Yeah, like everything just hurts. And then you got to go do that. <laughs> and then you got to do it. Yeah. In, so in front of a national, I national think they TV were already. Audience. I think they were already cracked. And then in my actual performance, um, sorry, in my dress rehearsal, um, we, I, he said, "Oh, do you want to do the lift?" And I was like, "Yeah, we better just do it once before we actually perform it." And it, it, I actually broke them in the dress rehearsal, and, and, and when then you had bre- to perform. And so. when you break your ribs, you can't. You can't. You, you, you can't. Yeah. You, you can't do anything. I basically just got like um, that sort of like stretchy strapping tape, like the, yeah. the sort of flexible one, and just like strapped the, like my entire torso, and then put the dress on, which is corseted as well. So it pushed it in any, even more, and then and you have to smile and oh, did the performance, and then came off and just like nearly fell over with pain like I was I think I've, I think I've dislocated because I'd broken them in the in the dress rehearsal and then dislocated them in the um performance so I'd I had two ribs that were basically just like dislocated and broken um and it was the most painful thing I've ever experienced like you hear people where you're like, oh yeah I broke seven ribs it's like I broke two and I could barely even breathe I was like <laughs> and I was panicking because I couldn't breathe because it hurt too much so I had to like lay me down in the, in the physio room. Because where did you where did you come on that show? I was first eliminated. <laughs> <laughs> really? But I mean, so that was Dancing with the Stars All Stars. So I was up against people that had won the gold, the glitter ball, or whatever. Like, yeah. So I mean, I knew I wasn't going to do very well, but again, challenge. Yourself. I just wanted to challenge myself and prove that I could still do a good job, and I I think I I did like. A pretty good job. It just see you know. see the thing that <laughs> the thing that shines through all of this conversation so far with me is the fact of like you are just such a free spirit and you're willing to have a go at anything. And I think that a lot of people in life get trapped in their own head with stuff like they don't they're not willing to go out there and have a go. And, yeah. And through your through your whole thing, whether it be like neighbors in your early days or. All, everything you just like I'll try this I'll try that I'll try Dance with the Stars I'll try this I mean you got to um, I think it was number 11 out of 13 didn't you in SAS yeah yeah I got to the second and last episode I, I presume that is the hardest thing you've ever done right yeah yeah hands down it was um, I I, I, can't, I can't even describe how hard it was it's like getting back to the accommodation where we didn't have pillows we didn't have like 
a floor. It was just dirt. Um, having to, you know, you had to roster on people to keep the fire going at night because it was the middle of winter, um, you know, in the snowy mountains. So it's getting down to like minus eight degrees at night. Um, so we had to keep the fire going. Otherwise we'd all, you know, get hypothermia overnight. Um, we were sleeping in thermals um, with our full kit on, you know, our, our flak jacket, combat jacket, um, inside the sleeping bag with the little drawstring pulled tight. So you've just got a little hole for you, you know, to breathe out of and then blankets on top and still waking up shivering. Like it was just, it was just cold. And then like you'd wake up each morning and check your, so you have to hang up your mic pack on the little stand at night before you go to sleep. Then they sneak in sometime in the night and change your, your battery pack. Yeah. We'd always check it in the morning to see if it had a condom on it. Cause if it had a condom on it, you knew that you're going to do a water task and we'd be like, okay. And you'd psych yourself up. You're like, fuck, okay, we're going in some water today. And the water varied from like four to five degrees down to like one to two degrees. Like it was wow, so cold. And then and you just like I'm, – I'm actually shivering just thinking about it Cause now. Because like, when I see some of the things that, that you guys had to go through on that show, I don't think on a personal level that I'd, I could make it. Like, do you know what I mean? It's pretty fucking hard. It's – the first four days are the worst. You just your brain is just trying to make sense of what you're doing. It's just going everything in your body is telling you not to do what you're being told to do. You know, falling out of a helicopter backwards from eleven meters up, you know, into freezing cold water, like just <laughs> that's the first thing we had to do. And it just and and I hit the water completely horizontal, like just over rotated, and that was what all the bruising was from. Um like and like I had I had two black eyes. My eyes were, were almost completely squished shut from hitting the water so hard. I blacked out. Like came to underwater and was just like it was like two meters down. I just was like I swam up and I was like I think I just lost consciousness. And the guy like filming just didn't say a word because they're not allowed to talk to you. And it's and that that was kind of the moment that I realized shit. This is real. Like I have to make a decision now. Am I so injured? It's like like I was concussed. I was vomiting and like after the um, after that initial impact and we had to do like an hour beasting on the beach, you know, to like seal yeah, crawls and yeah, stuff yeah. through the sand. And I was sort of stopping to vomit and, and I was like, I'm definitely concussed. Like, is it wise if I keep going? And I was like, I'm not going out on day one. So I just made I, it back to the, <laughs> the accommodation. It was like, I didn't die. Yes. I saw, I saw the, uh, a bit, an outtakes of the SAS um, UK version and Tony Bellew was on it. Yeah. Right. And Tony Bellew for those of you that don't know, is one of the hardest men in boxing you'll you'll ever wish to meet. I mean, he's I'm an absolute beast. I'm telling you, Tony Bellew is genuinely one of the nicest and hardest men that I reckon I probably have ever met on a personal level. Right. And even he was struggling, and I yeah. thought, fuck, there's no way that I would have the minerals to be able to deal with all that. You know what? I think though. I think a lot of people in his position who have been very, very successful in in the sporting um, arena, arena. Um, may go into a, a, a thing like SAS um, and have not, not necessarily like an arrogance about them, but just sort of think, well, well I've done this, I've done this, I'm going to be okay. And then it's actually the, the mental aspect of things when you see, you know, less – sporty people than you yeah. 
completing tasks that you weren't able to complete that it starts fucking with your head and you're like and that's when I just realized like it was like day four I was like stop worrying about everybody else stop thinking oh they're gonna go next or oh they're really strong at this or because you do it's like it's your natural thing to compare yourself to other people and that was when I was just like you know what just just do it just do what you can and just this this I love the fact that you've said that because there'll be a lot of people that listen to this that are constantly in their own heads comparing themselves with other people and wondering why success is so far away or whatever they perceive as success to them is so far away from them. Mm. When really it's not far away, it's like the fact of like, because you're in a constant competition with others, you limit your own growth. Yeah. Whereas when you, every piece of success that we've talked about in your life so far has come from you just trying stuff you don't know how it's going to go you've not seen anyone go before you and really do what you're doing but the reason it's been successful is because you, you've been willing to put yourself out there and not compare and not say oh this person did it over here and didn't do that well with it or this yeah. person do you know what I mean yeah Every, like there's a lot of people struggling with that it's um it's one of those things that I mean as a kid I, w- I was the opposite I like I would only do things that I knew I was good at. So, um, like, I was such a perfectionist. I just wouldn't even attempt anything that I thought I wasn't going to win. And it was only as I got much older um, and I started losing, you know, because, like, especially with mountain biking, I just I just sort of – I was good at it and I was winning a lot. Then, you know, these younger girls were coming through and starting to beat me and – it kind of coincided with me starting starting modelling as well, which wasn't really conducive to mountain biking, like coming in with big scabs and scars on my legs and stuff. But I, I sort of quit mountain bike racing because I couldn't handle not winning anymore. And I don't regret that at all. That was It was right for me at the time. I still love mountain biking. I still do it socially. Um, I don't think it'll be something that I ever take up again, you know, in a racing um, competitive aspect. But... Um, I definitely felt that it wasn't that wasn't a trend I wanted to continue and so you know dancing with the stars when I did it the first time in 2012 I was the first person eliminated so for me to come back and do the all stars one knowing that I was the worst out of everybody by far like these were all people who had won it or come runner up or whatever and I was the first one eliminated in my you know the first time I'd done yeah. it I was like it took a lot for me to do that, but I was like, you know what? I don't actually care. I just want to prove to myself that I can dance because I feel like the first time I was so nervous. I didn't really give my all. Like I looked really insecure on 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 the on the stage. Um, so I just wanted to go and put myself out there, and I think that sort of set the tone in terms of. I mean, obviously, I'd done SAS prior to that, so I was feeling pretty. I think pe- <laughs> I think people have have a perception as well the broader public and the broader people have perception of how someone who's a model, because obviously you've, you've modeled at elite level. I mean, Miss, kind of, yeah. Miss Universe, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Miss Universe in 2006. I mean, when you've modeled at that level, you, you, you're up there. So people have a preconceived idea of what a Miss Universe model should be doing how they should be acting yeah and you're not that well no but but then again I, I wasn't that from the start like I, I wasn't a typical Miss Universe like I what Miss Australia sorry I um I only did it because my modeling agency were like they're like oh we need another girl from Queensland to represent um you know to 
to enter the Miss, Miss Australia competition, there's going to be, you know, X number of candidates from each state. And they're like, and I was like, what? Like, no, that's not me. I was like a tomboy. I was like, you know, I was going to uni and just drinking beer in my lunchtime and stuff. And I was just like, um, and they're like, oh, you could win like prizes and stuff. I was like, all right, whatever. So I did it. And then, and then I won Miss Australia. And then three weeks later, I was in the US to do the Miss Universe pageant. And I was like, what am I doing what, here? Wasn't like, wasn't Donald Trump a judge? No, he he owned the pageant. He 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 owned it back then. Di- didn't you go out with Donald Trump or something? Not go out, with <laughs> <laughs> not date him. Not. Hey, daddy. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Uh, no. So he he chose me and three other girls to fly to New York to go on the Letterman show with him. You went, is, you went on David Letterman, yeah, with Donald Trump, yeah. <laughs> yeah. How did that go? Oh. I mean, looking back, it's like, it's pretty cringe. Like he walks, he walks on with his arms around us, like, um, and then, and then Letterman, like we all leave. And I'll then, get him to cut and, the clip in. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Donald Trump stayed to, to have the chat and, um, and Letterman was like, oh, like I, I hear there's been some, uh, some controversy with, uh, with, uh, with Miss Australia, Aaron, Aaron McNaught. And and Donald Trump was like, oh yeah, you know she she uh, she had she did some uh, some some topless pictures. I can't do his accent anyway. I I'd done some topless pictures which had emerged or surfaced um, as I was doing the pageant while I was in LA, and so the the media were going crazy, and that's how I got the nickname McNaughty. Yeah, um, yeah, because so. yeah. that is like the best Instagram handle ever. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I'm going to run with this. <laughs> I legit thought your surname was McNaughty. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people do. A lot of people do. I mean, I was actually called that in high school. Like, my my girlfriend's called me that. So I was like, yeah, all right. People thought I'd get offended by it, but no, it's all good. Call me that. So so Letterman with Donald Trump. Yeah. Is it that, 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 that's, is that like the, the, you know, like obviously you go out there. You've done Letterman with Donald Trump. Did was this before or after the competition? Before. So we flew back from New York on the red eye and then had to do the pageant the next day. Like like the day we landed. Um which was which was pretty hectic. But I'd already sort of been told that I wasn't gonna win it or like like 'cause I think I was I was You've already told you weren't gonna win it. Yeah, yeah, What's yeah. The so point? so I was I was sort of pulled pulled aside and said, by the way, like you know, you're not going to win this because because I was I was the fa- I was actually the favorite to win. I was like I was eight eight to one favorite or something out so of eighty two girls. This is how this is how bad this kind of <laughs> well no because they were basically like oh we can't let you win because it'll bring the pageant you, into disrepute. So basically, you couldn't win because of the topless images anyway. Yeah. So I I just had a ball like as soon as they because they told me that probably a week into the three week stint that I was there. So all the other girls are like pushing their food around, like throwing it on the floor. I was like, cause we had buffet breakfast, lunch and dinner. <laughs> so I put on like six or seven kilos in three weeks. Cause I knew I wasn't going to win. <laughs> I was just like just eating my way. Fuck yeah. yeah. I was like, I'm going to make the most of this free food. Woo. Free food, free trip. Come back to Australia. Have a load of beers. Yeah. Honestly. Pretty much. What, what a life. But I, I'll tell you one thing about that really interests me though. Cause obviously I, I, this is an institution, right? So when I was, when I was a kid in the UK, I used to come back from school and at, at 6 p.m. at night, and if you're in the UK, you can't deny this, 5, 6 p.m. at night after school, there'd be neighbours on TV, right? And, you know, it was all like in the days of like Holly Valance, yeah. um, it, Harold Bishop, Madge, all that kind of stuff. Institution in the UK. Yeah, yeah they go crazy for I it. Don't th- I don't think neighbours is big here, but like, 
because you were in it when Margaret Robbie was in it, right? Yeah, so I I was in it. Um, I was only in it for like six months because long story. I was I was living in Sydney and then moved to Melbourne um, to do it. Margot started, I think, three months, two or three months after I had started. Um, so I, I think I probably shared a couple of scenes with her actually. But she was she was amazing, man. She was eighteen, I think, at the time, or se- no, seventeen. She, and apparently, she just cold called the producers and said. You have to audition me, or some, something to that effect. I'm not sure. Sorry, Margot, if I got that wrong. Um, and <laughs> and they were like, they were like, they were like, "What do you mean?" She's like, "You have you have to audition me. Like, you need to see me." And so that's how she got her role. Like, she's just she she's just that good. To to be to be fair, <laughs> I think she could tell me anything, and I'd be like, "Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah." I think I think she gets that a lot. <laughs> but what's what's it like though? Right, right. Ramsey Street and everything. Like for 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 some for some of us UK people out there that are listening, it's long. It's long. Some days you you're required on set at like four a.m. and then you leave leave at nine p.m. and then you might you might have like an hour or two. Of, I mean, my role was never huge. I played um, Sienna Caminiti, so I was Carmela's cousin. Um, Carmela was um, Natalie Blair, the um, black haired girl. Anyway. Um, so I, I didn't have a huge role, but some days I'd have to be there at five for like three or four scenes and yeah. then have like a six hour break and then do another three or four scenes and get home at 9pm because the studio is out in Nunawading, which is about an hour away from Melbourne City. So a car would collect you in the morning at whatever stupid time, take you out, you'd be there in makeup at 5am to start shooting by six. Um, and then you might shoot for an hour or two and then you've just got six, six hours to kill in the middle of nowhere. And so it was on like quite a large property. So we'd play Frisbee or hacky sack or we'd just sit and just yeah. chat rubbish. Like even and, it, there was a bowling alley not far away. So we'd go bowling and sometimes. So you record all your like internal scenes there and then your external scenes on the actual, whatever the term is. Ram- like, Ramsey Street. Yeah. yeah. Which I've never seen yet. And I've been in Australia for like years. I've got to go visit it. But is that, <laughs> is that just some suburban street in Melbourne then? Uh, yeah. God, I actually can't even remember. Um, I think it's out. You know what? I'm, I'm not even going to say. I can't remember. You can Google it. Google like yeah, Ramsey Google Street and, and see where it is. But if you look on, if you look on the maps, it's, it's not, it's, it's not It's super an close. institution in yeah. England. Like, honestly, yeah. like when I was young, it was the, it was the thing to watch. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I mean, it was, it was here as well. I, I mean, it's still, still kicking, isn't it? I don't know. Like. It was like it was either home and away or or neighbours, and you're you usually one or the other. Like I don't think I ever met anyone who watched both religiously. Is 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 uh, Margaret Robbie? Is she the is she the one that's gone on from that and done the most then in in the like the film industry and, and Oh, she's definitely the one who's probably um, the most well known worldwide. Like you know, she's she's done Wolf of Wall Street and and you know such massive movies. I'm sure I know Holly Valance. Um, she broke my heart seventeen times. <laughs> <laughs> I love that chick, eh? Well, uh, I, can't, I can't deny it. I can't deny it. She's she she is she was a different different animal, <laughs> like, different animal, really? different gravy, different gravy. But where where I grew up, that was just not available to us, right? Know? Yeah, do you know what I mean that was some spice. That was really, yeah, really. You yeah. mean like her personally or her her just, character? Just just like yeah, like. Australia is pretty abundant with 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 that kind of thing. Do you know what I mean? We've, yeah. We've, we've, we're, we're we're fortunate in Australia to have a lot of beautiful women. Like, let's just be honest, straight down the line. 
And in England, yes, we have beautiful women, but like I'm talking about where I live and obviously in the Gold Coast and the high proportion and everything like that and obviously seeing that, you know, she was like the, our poster girl. Yeah, right. Do you know what I mean? Okay. Like for me on a personal level, she was, she was the poster girl. I didn't yeah. have her on my wall, obviously, but like I used to go to the boxing gym and uh, used to go to the boxing gym at the time and think to, think to myself, fucking hell, like if Holly Valance was here now, I'm not going to lie to you. It's, it's funny. Do you think that there are different um, sort of standards for beauty in between the UK and Australia, because I, I really found it quite surprising um, what was considered beautiful in the UK compared to Australia um, for both men mm. and women. So I, so, okay. That's, I, I love that because so in, in the UK to me, I used to find women with loads of makeup and all this kind of stuff really beautiful and, yeah. and I'm not saying that they're not I'm not saying that they're not at all but since I've come to Australia and I've seen the fact that women don't wear as much makeup they're more natural right and they're used more... to be used to be the bloody Kardashians have ruined it all yeah but <laughs> I feel but, like but, girls, girls over here now like 20 year old girls are wearing this thick makeup with like massive false lashes I'm like you're 20 you don't need to do that like a bit of mascara a bit of blush that's it like but I think, yeah, I, I think there I, is definitely more of a natural aesthetic here. I think there's more natural aesthetic in Australia than there is in the in the UK. Yeah. Now, imagine this: if if I was taking a girl out in the UK, there's no way you could take a girl like camping in the UK. Could you imagine if you told a girl that you were taking <laughs> a camp? Fuck me! You'd n- here. There's there's that. Like, there's you're serious. There, <laughs> Yeah, do you know what I mean? You could not say to a girl in the UK that you're taking a camp in. Yeah. I don't think. But that's like kind of, it's really romantic over here. I don't know. But, 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 but there's lads here with the shittest haircut, right? <laughs> I know I can't speak about hair because I ain't got none, but they've got a mullet, right? Which Mullets not, are all the rage again. They are now, right? But they wouldn't they wouldn't fly in the UK like that. Yeah. Right? But you get a lad with a mullet and he'll have the, the, he'll have the most beautiful thing you've ever seen in your life. And they'll be going camping together. And I'm like, I still can't get my head around it. How that's how that how that flies because it just, I just wasn't brought up with that as a kid. Yeah, camping. If, if you said to someone you're taking them camping in England, that is like the shittest thing to do. <laughs> no. Where is it almost like a bit? Yeah, like, like pikey to do that. Or something. Yeah, can I say that? I don't know if you can say I don't that. Know if I can say <laughs> okay, I didn't say that. <laughs> no, no, um, I'm joking. No, um, yeah, but it's, yeah, it's a bit like it's a bit like lowbrow camping. Is a bit like lowbrow, is it? Or? Yeah, I just I just can't I can't see that. Yeah, it's just so, there's so much. This is why travel is so great, because travel allows you to see things. Like when I when I when I go back to the UK, I realise there's so much. I miss the culture. I miss yeah. the history. I miss the banter. Right? There's, there's a real deep sense of of soul. Yes, I guess. Yes. Whereas 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 here, I I, I love. I love the natural beauty of the place. Um, I, th- I think it's an abund- a more abundant mindset. I think you've got more opportunities at growing. Um, you know everything. You know the sun. Everything. Everything is enhanced by the fact that the sun's out more often as well. Yeah. And like the whole lifestyle that, that we have is just fucking. We are so blessed. Yeah, so, it's I'm phenomenal. So grateful. Yeah. And I just think that you know, I guess what I'm trying. I guess what I'm trying to say to everyone. To, uh, whether you're Australian or whether you're English, is go go and experience the, the, both these cultures because unless, you can't really understand what me and Aaron are saying right now unless you go and experience both. But you have to come and experience both to see how much difference there is yeah. in 
in two countries that you think speak a version of English. Yeah. There's so they're, they're nothing like each other. But the thing is, you have to be prepared to put yourself out there as well because, you know, I know I know people that have come out from England who refuse to sort of give up yes. their English like sort of habits um and and therefore they're not embracing Australia's sort of um offerings I guess and it's just it's just kind of like well why did you move here if you're not going to change so, like because it, it is like you know when I when I moved to London I didn't kind of walk around going oh I'm not doing that I'm Australian I don't do that I, I was like oh is that like what you guys do cool let me have a go or like let let me try this or you know and I just think why would you travel if you're not going to do that so there's a few there's a few things that in that that I want to um, clarify is the fact that like I think English people, with with unbeknownst to them, can sometimes be what I term as like positively negative. So they'll come over to somewhere else, and I came. To, the, how I know this is I had to come over here myself and live through it. You come over to another country and you you compare every fucking thing. Yeah. To England, to what you know. Yeah. And then you become what the term is positively negative, where it's like, oh, yeah, but that's better in England. This yeah. is better in England. Yeah. Um, and, when, but that's normal. Everybody does that. But it's about being able to but sort that, of. Yeah, that travel allow the travel allows you, and you probably do it the other way going from Australia in the initial period, but like travel allows you that, that growth vehicle to, to get you away from that. Yeah. Because. That's when I started to find more happiness within myself when I got away from from the comparison. So comparison happens, not only comparison of like you to other people, but comparison of, of your narrative that you grew up with yeah. to, to your narrative. Oh, when I when I first moved to London, I didn't even know what a bank was. Like I would I'd be like, what what is that? What's I think I thought Ladbrokes was a was a bank. <laughs> like, <laughs> and it's just little things like that. Like because I'd I'd never when I moved there, I'd only been there once and that was like for two weeks and I was just with Elliot traveling around Europe. So I didn't, you know, when I actually got there, I was like, okay, I don't even know what a supermarket here is. You know, we've got Woolies and Coles over here, but I didn't even know. Yeah. Tesco. I had to say, yeah, I had to ask Elliot. I'm like, what are your supermarkets called? So I can go get some food. And I'd just go wandering. I'd be like, oh, that looks like a supermarket. Oh, wait, wait, Tros, wait, Tros. Oh yeah. Okay. Yep. It's got food. You know, like little things like that. Like, and then imagine doing that in a, in a country that, when no one speaks English, so I, I mean, I could, I couldn't. I mean, I don't drink alcohol, but I couldn't understand why super. Because when I, I buy a lot of gifts for people, like for stuff like that, that you, I didn't understand how you had to go into a separate shop to buy yeah. to buy alcohol yeah. in Australia, like a, like a bottle shop. I'm like, why? Why don't you just have alcohol in the yeah, supermarket? Yeah, the liquor like, laws are, di- are different. Is, is, it's is, the same in Seattle. Like, like I li- sorry, in America, I lived in Seattle for a couple of years when I was a teenager, and yeah, like I had mates that used to like nick the bloody beers out of the fridge in the supermarket like, <laughs> <laughs> they made it pretty easy um, whereas you know I guess over here it does allow a bit more of a, a bit more control um, because obviously a 15 year old kid going into a, yeah. a bottle o is not gonna really be able to steal anything yeah. <laughs> or buy anything yes it just goes to show you how um, Australia's more I'd say more Americanized wouldn't you say in terms of like the bottle shops and that type of thing that's more of an American thing isn't it than the British thing no no I don't know I don't reckon like no. like no because in, in America you can buy you just buy you just buy anywhere yeah there's there's like a supermarket and it's got beers 
and you know ciders and whatever in the fridge with soft drinks and then there's a liquor section which is still part of the supermarket but you just can walk in there whereas in Australia it's like you have to actually like a supermarket can't sell um alcohol you have to go into a separate shop like a like a yeah well i'm gonna have a word with scott morrison because <laughs> like, like i'm like i mean it, it is good it's, for, it's, for safety it's it's so it's so much easier when you're buying gifts for people if you can get it from the same fucking shop yeah that's very like, true. you know what i mean bro so, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if he's really gonna care about that <laughs> nah, nah, he's got enough problems right now and he? he's got yeah enough problems. but what's what's on the future agenda for you in terms of like the next few months and that with everything you got going on um it's 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 hard to say at any given time because um you know, with with COVID and the closing of music festivals and the shutting down of music festivals and stuff over here, um, it means that Elliot doesn't have a lot of work. Um, so he's he's going back to the UK for four weeks next week um, to do a standalone like UK tour. Um, then he's back for like two months, I think, and then he is gone pretty much from May to September in the UK. Um, so I'll be full-on mum mode for a while um we're really lucky in that we've got the the support of my family around so you know if I need to to do the odd bit of work I can but it's not really something that I'm able to plan for for this year um you know it's 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 hard um he has to do what he has to do um, you still have to do what you have to do to to fill your cup, you know. Yeah, I mean? yeah, exactly. So again, it's just it's just about communication and and finding that balance and just trying to navigate it all together. Do you, I suppose in in the in the because obviously you're both doing things at different levels. Do you, do you <laughs> and you're you're obviously a, a very Instagram couple, so you're always together. But do, do you ever both get the stupid DMs coming? from other people like you about know, what like like does he ever get hit up by birds and you ever get hit up by geezers like, uh, even even though it's fucking obvious yeah that, like, you know what's weird he gets loads of girls wanting to have threesomes like with really? me like with me yeah <laughs> but like but like the, like the girls will hit him up and be like oh i re- or i really want to like I really want to like hook up with you and your wife like your wife's really hot whatever it's like well, why are you messaging him like, <laughs> like if, if you want to hook up with me like message me <laughs> um, he gets he used to get I don't know if he still does uh, maybe he just doesn't tell me anymore but um, he used to get loads of girls just sending random nudes or videos of themselves like just like popping their boobs out <laughs> or like touching the you know bits like or like filming in the mirror of them like touching themselves it's like it's so bizarre. Is this, to me. U- is this UK or Australia? I don't know. I think it's mostly UK. Ah, yeah. But like he'd show me sometimes. He'd be like, "Oi, look what this chick just sent me." Do you, oh, do you, he doesn't do, say, "Oi." Do, do you ever play? Do you ever play? Do you ever play like guess the location of the chick? Like, oh, I bet this one's from Scumthorpe. <laughs> <laughs> no. no, he's better. He's better at that than me. I'm still not. You know, my yeah. geography, my geographical knowledge is. I mean, I can I can pick accents pretty well yeah, from different it, parts of the UK, but you know, I wouldn't be able to look at a girl. What, what's your best UK accent you, you can do? Oh God, I used to be really good. Like when I was living there, I could do it. Um, Tell me the location before you do it, <laughs> so that I could judge it. Um, what location? Oh no, I can't. I'm yeah, really put on the spot now. Um, I mean, like, oh my God, like my parents are coming over, and I just don't know, like. If I can even handle them right now, that's not too. That's, not too, <laughs> that's like that's, my Chelsea accent. That's not. That's not. That's not too bad. That's not too bad. I thought you were gonna. Come, I thought you were gonna come with a lot worse than that. To be fair, um, I'm, I'm pretty impressed. 
That's Aaron McNaught's accent. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna have to listen to that back, check it over. But yeah, I reckon that was quite good. Uh I don't know. Um no, see, I'm put on the spot now. I can kind of do Scottish and I can kind of do Liverpool, but I'm not going to do it. I'm not nah, going to do it. Geordie, to me, is like Yeah, you can't, you, can't, you can't even understand that when it's no. around <laughs> this, 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 And this is, this, is, this is the thing you see. Um, in Australia, I'd say the accents are... Obviously, like, you got, like, the... If you live inland Australia, you've got the, you know, g'day, mate, how are you going, kind of real, real accent. Oh, there. like, so, so Queensland is, like, like... Yeah, mate, you fucking right. Yeah, yeah, you good. Yeah, yeah, fucking yeah. Like, <laughs> um, Melbourne's a bit different, and then you got like the Sydney sort of Westies, which is like you know a bit different as well. Um, I can always tell Victorian accents because my my grandparents were from there, and and I used to visit them a lot. And there's like there's this one thing where they 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 make like bed almost into two syllables. They're like. You going to bed? <laughs> I don't know I've, what it is. I, like I, I've never I, noticed this. Yeah, so that's maybe that's like a, a all, rural Victorian thing. All I've noticed is like the Adelaide is quite more more of a British accent. Yeah. than 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 anything. It really is. Yeah, closer to closer to British English than anything I've yeah that, anything that's I've what heard I, in Australia. Yeah, like in terms of like the accents. But like, I think if you're coming from another country i don't think that it would be very obvious to you like i think to australians it's more obvious like we kind of can tell to a certain extent whether some someone's from like sydney or melbourne or or south australia or whatever or, or queensland but when you went into the uk there's a different accent every 20 minutes it's mad even like between um you know 20 minutes outside of liverpool mm. is a completely different accent yeah. and i'm like oh and i would say to elliot i'll be like they sound like they're sort of half from Liverpool and half from Manchester, and he'd be, he'd be like, "Yeah, that's because they are like literally halfway between the two." I'm like, "Yes, I got it." <laughs> I'd love you. Don't you two should film your reactions when you do like the next UK thing, lot of you like asking questions. I reckon it'd be fucking <laughs> a funny segment where you just ask the most innocent questions, but for someone watching, it'd be like, "What the fuck are you asking that question?" <laughs> yeah, for? it's fucking beautiful. But like on the I think, um, like I was saying to you at the start, right? The 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 thing that that kind of gets me was the fact that, like, I just wanted to put figure my head around this, right? So you're you when you first met, you literally stood there presenting a TV show, and you look at this geezer and you think he's a bit of all right. I'm going to date this English geezer. No, it was more. So it it was we were sitting. We were sitting around like a sort of desk thing um, in a in a radio studio, and I was sitting next to my co-host Matt, and he was busy. He'd always <laughs> he'd try and draw um, a dick and balls on my on my notes before, without me noticing. And so whenever we'd go to start, I'd look down and there'd just be this dick and balls like drawn over my notes, and I'd like and I'd be like try not to laugh, like trying to intro the show. So that was kind of where we're at. And then Elliot's walked through the door with his manager. And I, we, at the time, we really, most of our interviews were with US artists. Um, we'd interviewed like Good Charlotte and Pharrell, um, Jason Derulo a couple of times. Like it was mostly US artists. And they're all very well media trained. Um, their PR person comes in and, and tells you, you know, don't ask about this. Don't ask about any anything personal. They're here to talk about the album. So you'd be like, okay, whatever. Elliot's walked in. He sat down. He's put his feet up on the desk. 
his hands up like this, you know, hands behind his head. And he's like, like, whatever, whatever, whatever English people say. I kind of remember, like, <laughs> what's he saying? Like, um, you must remember the at, first like, line. No, I don't. I, that, that's the thing. It's like, I was so kind of like shocked by his, it was sort of like a, a cross between like brazen cockiness with like kind of a respectful like yeah I'm, I'm here yeah, yeah, yeah. like he didn't he didn't kind of like walk in with like an entourage he didn't like he he sat down made eye contact and said how's it going or something and I was like oh okay this guy's kind of like he was he was sort of intriguing from the start um and I was like I want to I want to find out more about this guy he seems like weirdly cocky and arrogant but like kind of nice as well and it was like such a weird concept to me that someone could portray those two things at the same time so in this next interview that 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 presumed on 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 mtv you're just basically doing the red flag assessment (laughs) to to see if you wanted to date the guy no i mean i was at that stage i was just kind of a bit like i was i was all nervous and i think i said something like "Oh, oh how how do you like australia and he goes yeah, I've been here 16 times. I was like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> like, she's so totally shut me down. That, that, that's, that's, the thi- that's the thing that people probably don't realise about Elliot is the fact of like, so- sometimes he'll give you, he, he'll answer the question, you'll ask him a question and he'll give you, give you an, he'll give you the straightest answer to answer the question. Yeah. And people, there, there's no like and, preamble. And, there's and, no. And, and people will be like, oh. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, he, I mean? he, is, he can be. I, he can be so blunt. It's direct to the point. Yeah, so direct to the point of rudeness because there's no frivolities. There's no kind of padding. It's just yep. And and it, and it takes people aback because I've realised, and I, I realised this not long after we had sort of gotten together, and I, you know, would say we'd go to dinner at a restaurant and you know you you're met by the much a day much a day and and they're like oh good evening ma'am good evening sir like blah blah and he'd be like. He'd just walk straight past him and go, we'll sit over there and sit down. And they'd be like, oh, 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 okay. And I used to get so embarrassed and I'd apologize for him. And I'd be like, oh, sorry, you know, hi, yeah, hi, we're good. And it kind of made me realize, I was like, fuck, like as a society, we have so many, so much fluff around everything. Like there's, yeah. there's so much, so many niceties, which is, which is great. Like I, I like that. I like living in Australia where we've got, we're not, you know, in, in London, people are so time poor. It's like, it's a lot more acceptable to kind of just be like, yep, we'll sit over here. They'll go, yep, no worries. In Australia, when we first moved here, the, these poor little like 16, 17 year old kids who are just like, you know, earning their weekend wages, working part time at a restaurant or whatever, they'd met with, with Elliot and he's just like, What's it over there? And they're like, oh, and then you can see in their head, they're going, but I meant to say hello and I meant to offer them water. And, I meant, and, it, and it just throws them off completely. Yeah, I, th- I think, I think, it, I suppose ever since we're kids and that, we're taught to, we're taught to be direct. We're just direct. Yeah. Direct. Whereas Australians, like, we've got time, you yeah. know, we're like, how's it going? Yeah. yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. Oh, do you, yeah. Do you there's no, there's no, there's no time for that in England. So you imagine <laughs> you go into a nightclub, you see a beautiful woman, right? You ain't got time for fucking. <laughs> you ain't got time for niceties. You got you got yeah. go, you got to go and be clinical, clinical. <laughs> you, you you got one shot at this, and you, do you know what I mean? You got to you got to fucking go. Like it's go time. You know what I mean? Because it's a competitive marketplace. Yeah. You're in the most. Well, com- there are a lot lot of people, lot more people. 
Yeah, so it's like it's, you got you got to be you got to be willing to 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 be out there and be competitive in yeah. these marketplaces. And I think he's just he's just direct. Yeah, you can imagine what it was like in Japan. Like we went to Tokyo for, <laughs> for to shoot a video, um, and a campaign. It's like you know they're the politest people in the world. It's like you, you know you you're met you're met by someone and they and they bow to you and then they bow to you again and and then and then they say you know good evening and, and he's and, like you're and, right there. Yeah. And he's, he's just like yeah we'll sit over there and they're just like they. The they just don't know even what to know what to do. They're just like, like just horrified by like this person and how they can be so rude. But obviously, it's a cultural thing. Um, but yeah. I spent I spent so many years kind of apologizing for him, and then I was like, why am I apologizing for him? I, I, like he just needs to learn some freaking manners. Like, okay, fair enough. Oh. That's the, that's the way you do it in the UK, but. Think about like how that poor little 16-year-old person has felt with you just barging right past them, making yourself at home, sitting down, not letting them do their spiel. I was like, would it kill you to spend three or four seconds just to say, evening, mate. Yeah, if it's okay, we'll sit over here. And he was like, you know what? You're right. He's sat on the driveway right now listening to that. <laughs> and he's like, fuck, I'm not even in the house. And I'm getting a bollocking. <laughs> Did you know what I mean? Like- <laughs> no, I said it to him straight. I was like, would it kill you? I was like, you've just, you've just ruined their day. Would it kill you just to spend three seconds just to say, evening, mate, yeah. if it's all right, we'll sit over here, rather than just like, yeah, we'll sit here. So it's like, there's no skin off his nose just yeah. to be nice, you know. I and mean, then I'm- and then ever since I said that, he, he kind of took it on board and he's like, you know what, you're right. It, it costs nothing to be nice. It's, you know, there's a difference between being nice to someone, respectful, and kind of just, you know, going overboard with it. It's like, I'm not, I wasn't asking him to sort of – have a chat with the dude or, or the or the girl or whatever it's like I was, I was just saying just just say hello just just say hello <laughs> you know that's yeah, all I'm asking yeah, yeah. say hello rather than just walking straight past them yeah so. I, no I, I, f- I feel and I feel that um, I feel it's just a massive I f- like I said like I said a few times through this podcast I think that when, when you change countries you have to adapt so much I mean I get so many DMs yeah. from people saying to me all the time like especially from England and that um you know how how do you how do how do you come how do you go to Australia? I'm like, bruv, like you literally just book a ticket, you fly there, you just crack on, you just le- you just learn as you go. And the thing is, like, you, of course, you're gonna you're gonna be confronted by things that you don't like or that make you feel uncomfortable or you know you feel out of your depth with. But if you're not prepared to deal with that, and you and you want to stay in your bubble, and you or you want to stay with the same approach to life or the same mannerisms, don't bother traveling. Because you have to be prepared to change. That's yeah. what travel does. It changes you. You know, I've I lived in Tokyo for four months as a model on my own, like in a model house. Like, can't, couldn't speak the language. Had to, you know, we were given seven thousand yen a day, which is like eleven dollars a day to buy food. Wow. And you know, and if if our weight went up by five five hundred grams or more, that would cut our per diems in half. And so I was just like. Oh, and that some of the girls just couldn't handle it. They were like, I miss home. And they and they had to go home because I was so homesick. They just couldn't handle it. I was like, I loved it. It was hard, but I loved it. I like immersed myself in it. I just went, I just walked all around Tokyo, just like looking, absorbing, like trying to learn some basic like Japanese and stuff and trying different foods. And that like travel to me, I think, I think that's ultimately what has led me to wanting to, um, take on new challenges whether I feel like I can handle them or not is because 
you know, it's, it's, it's just about experience. I've just, I just love experiencing new things and I don't want to be on my deathbed, like sad that I didn't try something that was presented to me. Yeah. Yeah. You're not wrong there. And I think that's, that's the, that's the thing that's hit me massively. It's the fact that like, if you don't start this podcast now, Frankie, when are you going to do it? If you don't fucking go to Australia at 26, you just you're just another one of those people that keeps talking about doing shit. Yeah, and it's like when people ask you or ask me or ask anyone else, like there's 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 two caveats I want to say. Like too many people out there are asking too many people's advice that they shouldn't be asking mm. on whether they should do something or not. There, when, it's almost like people are asking for the go, the green light to do something. Yeah. It's like you know in your heart the right answer. This is what I'm getting to. It's like. Every one of you that listens to this, every one of you out there knows what is right for them because you feel it as an energy within yourself. Mm. You feel as a pull. Like the like when you were talking to Elliot and you knew that you just had something with this guy and when you, you, you know, you just knew you had to do SAS Australia and you just knew that even though you had broken ribs, you had to do dancing and you knew you weren't going to be the best, but you just knew you had to try it because it was an opportunity and you thought, I've got to fucking do that. I More than anything, I wanted to enjoy it. Because the yeah. first time I, I did it, I hated it. I was so scared, so nervous. Second time, I was still scared and nervous, but I, I enjoyed it. I went out and I did that dance and it felt incredible. I didn't give a fuck what people thought. I didn't give a fuck if I was first one off. I just wanted to enjoy it. But 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 forever now, for the rest of your life, you can say, I tried and I was on Dancing with the Stars. I right? tried and I failed and then right. I tried again and failed again, but yeah, I had but, a good time doing it. But it's an experience that you've lived through. Whereas a lot of people are asking people's permission to do things in their mm. life and then their friends who are like crabs in a bucket, you know, will see them trying to get out and level up and they'll pull them back in. Yeah. And there's a lot of that going on in society. Yeah, the, the, yeah, the tall poppy thing has always been a huge problem in Australia. Um, like Amer- living in America was such a, a crazy experience for me because I was like, why are all these girls being so nice to me? It's like when, if I did something good or like I you know I, I did track and cross country and whatnot over there and you know if I think there was this one meet that we went to like a track meet where I was the last event in javelin and I I won the track meet for our school because I, I won the javelin and I, and these girls like hoisted me up on their shoulders and I was like oh my god I was like it was like I was nearly in tears whereas in Australia they're just like oh good job as you know and it's like or they'd be like, oh, I can't believe she like, there'd be the jealousy or whatever. It's like the tall poppy thing is such a problem over here. Have you had to lose um, or notice yourself losing a lot of friends as you've grown through these things? To be honest, I've never had a lot of friends to lose. <laughs> 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 um, you know, I only got back to Brisbane in 2018. Um, I have one friend that I've stayed in contact with from school um, who I who I still speak with. Um but we've just we've just found we've we've really found our people in the last like year or two since we've been here, and they're just the best people in the world like there's never any judgment there's never any um there's never any comparing it's just everyone's so just nice and 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 funny and and it's sort of it's probably the happy- happiest I've been like ever in terms of you know feeling like I fit in. Um, I love it. I love that. Yeah, I, lo- I love that. yeah. It's really at the age of thirty nine. I finally found my friends. <laughs> no, because the the reason why I love it and I resonate with it so much is because 
I do a lot of breath work and a lot of lot of lot of breathing to 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 do the inside work, Erin. Right. Mm. And I was down at the beach the other day, just breathing, and I had a realization that I'd held on to my property in the UK, and I as like a kind of an anchor mm. because one, I knew that if I'd sold it, my mum and dad would have an opinion on me doing that, especially more so my mum. Yeah. And I just didn't want to disappoint her because yeah. I'd already felt like I'd disappointed her a few times in my life already that she was unhappy with me about certain shit. And it's in that moment, there's two things I realised. One, you just got to be fully present and really happy and just and just know that, uh, well, I was, fu- I was fully present in the moment. I was just, I was like, fucking how lucky am I to be living the life that I've always dreamed of? Yeah. The pennies just dropped with me. That was the first thing I realised. And then I thought to myself, why... I need to let go of that house because that that house and all the money I've paid the fucker off all the money trapped in that house think yeah. about how much money you could put into your podcast or yeah. something you're passionate about or whatever you're going to do and also it's always going to be an anchor that is yeah. holding you back from completely embracing your life here yeah. if you want to go back to the UK buy another fucking house over yeah. there like you know like it's, it doesn't people do hold on to things like yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean everybody's guilty of it um, but it's about, I think, you know, you, you, did you sell the house? So I, I literally decided yesterday to, to put the house up for sale. So I've, I've rang my mate and who's a state agent looked after me for a long time and he's basically selling it. Yeah. And do you feel like, I, do you I, feel like you, you I did feel, it because I, you're finally ready to do it? Yeah. I, I feel, I feel it's been, a you know what, right. And Instagram and all these stuff show people's lifestyles. I feel like I've been in Australia, but I feel like I've never fully been here. Yeah. And it's not, it's like, fuck, like, no wonder I've I've not had, like, the nice girlfriend and this, that, and the other, or the right girlfriend, so to speak. No wonder I've had not had all this stuff because they must see within you that you're never fully here. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because I think yeah. women inherently feel whether you're present or not yeah. in terms of like not only present within yourself, but present in the location yeah. you're in. And as long as, I mean, you know, you can you can have a house back in the UK and happily be fully committed to being here in Australia or you can have a house back in the UK that, like you said, you've held on to for various yeah. emotional reasons, which yeah. will be holding you back from fully committing yourself to being here and I've I've got a saying that like a sort of motto that I live by it's everything is as it should be in terms of you know just because you come to a realization about something and you're like far out why didn't I do that two years ago it's because it wasn't right at that time you weren't ready you know it's like you, you will if you trust in yourself and you trust in your own judgment and you're confident in who you are and what you stand for and your beliefs and your morals I believe that you will come to the right decision when it's the right time for you. Yeah. You can ask other people's opinion, but it's it's like, you know, it's like relationships. You, you're with somebody that you know deep down you don't want to be with. You know, um, I've, I've been there in the past and and you and you talk to your friends and they're like, yeah, maybe like you should break up with him or no, he's not right for you. You still spend another six months or a year with them because you're just, you're not quite ready. It's like you, you need to get to that stage where, you know, whether it's because you're not confident enough to be on your own or you're, you're scared of what, you know, what might happen if you, I don't know. It's just people, people, some people never are, are never able to sort of recognize when the right time is. Um, they don't trust themselves. And so they listen to other people and that's fine. But that's that. And, and that's, and 
that was that was a few things that really stood out was the fact of like right Frankie boy no more asking for other people's advice on things that you know full well what you should fucking do right because when you ask for a lot of opinions you get a lot of you put yourself into a state of turmoil mm. in your mind of the indecision if you don't hear what you want to hear and that yeah and that indecision is what's caused me lots of pain that's unnecessary that I've allowed myself to sit within yeah at many times in my life and I'm like you don't one you don't need to fucking live there and two you didn't even need to put yourself in limbo because that lim the indecision the limbo that people live in that's where the fucking that's where it really fucking hurts people. yeah that yeah that's where you start to crumble from the inside out yeah and and so like as soon as I made that decision it's like right I'll get together this like little setup now and that's another thing I was in I live in a not quite a nice apartment it's only a one bed apartment but I live in quite a nice apartment quite a nice area you know what I mean I've got great views as you've yeah. seen right yeah, it's lovely but the thing is it was like a holiday it was like a holiday home yeah like there's no there's no ambient lighting there was no feeling there's none of this stuff so like I thought I came back and I thought to myself, right, I need to make this feel feel a bit more like home, you know. Sh- stick a fucking stupid graffiti art on the wall. You know? No, I was just I was just thinking, have you seen the back of my t shirt? <laughs> oh, sick! It's like quite similar. Yeah, similar. Yeah, but show, show the camera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but do you know, what? I, was, I was still thinking. I was still thinking about. I was still. I was still thinking about. You know, make your home that you're in feel more homely as well. So like, I put more lighting in. You know, and just made it look. a made it look more more homely to me when I walk through the door so I mm. feel different if I feel different I make it more of a creative space because that's another Absolutely. thing when I walked into your home like and all you when you go downstairs and all that stuff you got all that creative space in in that it just just in that hallway there before the bathroom mm. and you've got like all of, all of examples albums on the wall you know you've got your modeling photos on the wall it's just very very artistic and and that breeds more creativity and more more growth than yourself yeah if if you're if i was living in a blank white box a nice white box but it's a blank it's a blank white box in the, in, in the middle of the gold coast you yeah like, and there's, there was there was no there was no substance to that, yeah, and and that was showing through in my indecision on on is Australia for me or should I be in yeah. England or because yeah, I mean it it I guess it has been built as a holiday home, hasn't yeah, it? And, yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, it's and it is sometimes just about making that choice to make it turn it into a home which you'd probably it was probably a bit of a vicious cycle for you because you're yeah. like it doesn't feel like a home, so I'm not going to turn it into a home because I'm not sure about you know how I feel about Australia yet or uh, is this the place for me? And so it's just, just this constant sort of cycle. Yeah. I loved, I loved Australia, but at the same time I thought, Oh, you know, should I be somewhere else? Mm. And a lot of people are thinking that, but the true answer is you are always mate where you're meant to be. But you as a human never, never want to accept that. You always want to ask someone else's opinion on, yeah. on where you should be. Well, yeah. I mean, that's human nature too. It's like, that's how we kind of evolved. It's like never being, 100% satisfied with where you are it's like it, it can be a, a a beneficial thing and it can be a detrimental thing it's like either you're you're content and you're happy yeah. but still striving or you're not content and not sure where you're going to be so you ask other people's opinions and that leads to the turmoil and so you end up stuck in this rut yeah 
Yeah, and it, and it wasn't even like I was even in a massive, so what they term as a rut, so to speak. It's just, it's just those little, um, when you're trying to evolve as a man and trying to evolve as a, a woman or whatever, you, when you're trying to accentuate and get to another position in life and level up your life, it's like you, you, all these little one percents take something away from you. Mm. Just, you know what I mean? And, and, and I just think that, you got to get, you got to iron out as many of them as possible. Yeah. And the way that the best way I've found to, to do that is to sit with myself and just see what comes up and deal with what comes up rather than, tr- do you know what I mean? Rather than act, rather than trying to actively think it's like, yeah. it's like, just let your, yeah. just let yourself. Almost like meditation, just clear yeah, your like mind s- and just yeah. let shit come to you. Yeah. Do you, have you ever tried doing it with kids? <laughs> because <laughs> no. um, because i like in all honesty when you asked me before about um you know what the next year holds to me it it kills me to not have an answer for that other than just well obviously i'm a full-time mom um and that that has to take precedence over any of my own sort of self-centered goals and ambitions but it's really only been recently that you know after i sort of helped write um the song um you know the song that's being the Elliot's new single I was like you know what I don't know if this is going to be a career for me but I would love just to go into the studio and just you know maybe sit with Elliot's producer and just see what we can come up with like you know whenever he's got some time and so so that's that's one of my sort of short-term goals is just to even if it ends up just being a creative outlet for me, you know, not not even necessarily a career um, or a career change or anything like that, um, it's it. I, I know it will give me that that sense of achievement and that satisfaction that I crave so much because my line of work ultimately is not it's it's not enriching. It's very surface level. It's very it? surface level. Like, like I enjoy it. It's, you know, it's it's barely even work. Like, you know, going to the Magic Millions tomorrow, it's like I get to hang out with people I haven't seen in ages, like old that, friends and stuff. That's why I wanted you on here, though, because I, want, <laughs> I wanted to show the depth and you got good humour and all the and all the other stuff that people don't perhaps get to see from you. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because people see, like, oh, the, the good-looking model, this stand here, stand here, stand there, you've been on this show, been on this TV show. They don't yeah. get to see the substance behind the woman herself. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. It's good, it's good to show Thank that. Thank you. Thank you. Um... Yeah, it's it, it is it is. I used to get annoyed at being sort of pigeonholed in that way, but at the same time, it's like, well, what do you expect? That's what you do. It's like you do, you know. My work doesn't really offer a lot of you know a lot of chance to, to chances to to convey who I am as a person. But at the same time, it is still my work is being a people's person. You know, chatting to people I've never met before and being able to hold conversations, and uh, you know, with people I don't know. And, and I love that. I love meeting new people. Like I've met some incredible, incredible people over the years, you know, you know, people sort of in a similar situ- situation to myself who maybe have a, um, you know, you might have a preconceived idea about what they're like and then you meet them and you're like, wow, you're actually so cool, so funny or this or that or really creative, whatever. It's like, and that's what I love about my job. It's, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't give me a lot of um, creative satisfaction or enrichment, but it gives me a lot of the satisfaction. um, Sorry. It gives me a lot of the sort of social 
yeah um, connections connection well. that I yeah. that I crave so much like I'm I'm a very much a people person do you, do you think do you think in the like modeling is kind of coming to an end for, for you as a as a career and then you're gonna pivot into something else because I'm kind of feeling that's like um, where you're headed I mean I I don't I wouldn't even call, consider myself a model so much anymore I'm more of like uh, I, don't, I don't know like I I I don't know what is it. What is it that I do? I don't even know I, what I, I do. I, 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 I suppose it's more like more like a like a personality type. Role, yeah, I'm like more you, of a personality. Yeah, yeah. You 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 present some days. You model others. You you, you yeah. dance. I'm others. I'm usually booked as Erin McNaught, so it's yeah. like people know like they're they're selling something via me or and and I'm I'm always very cautious about who I align myself with because, because that's your brand name yeah, yeah like you know like I, I will do I'll do stuff for free if it's something I really believe in and I and I want you know that person to to succeed um or you know and they're just starting out or you know I will align myself with a brand that may be like not that well known because I absolutely love the product or I love the service or whatever it's like I don't sort of I, for me it's not about the money it's about aligning myself with with partners in a long-term relationship because I know that I love the product and it's authentic and I genuinely believe in it and I know yeah. that it's going to that's going to come across on my social media if I'm trying to spruik something that I don't give a fuck about that's going to show it's like oh yeah I don't really how am I going to make this look natural whereas if it's something I genuinely use you know like um for example um I am an, um, I am an ambassador. God, that's really hard to say. <laughs> an, an ambassador for um, this awesome piece of tech um, fitness equipment called Nordic Track, um, called the Vault, and it's basically um, a standalone um, mirror that is like a giant touchscreen, like a giant tablet, and you plug it, you you connect it to your Wi-Fi, plug it in, um, and then it comes up and it's got like thousands of workouts with a fitness trainer on the mirror who's like this big and you just mirror their um their moves and you know they talk to you the whole time Kayla it seems has just um been has just signed to be one of the trainers on it you open it up you you know you pull the the door open it's got kettlebells weights um resistance bands yoga block and an exercise mat all inside the vault yes so you just like it's in it's in our bedroom and, you know, whenever the kids are asleep or I can't get to the gym or Elliot's away, you know, which he is a lot at the moment, um, I just, you know, do a workout on that. And, you know, that's something that I signed up for because it, it, it. It, it, I use it. Yeah. It's yeah. like it's so conducive to my lifestyle. Um, so, you know, I don't have a lot of partnerships, but the ones that I do have are because I truly believe in it. It's, you know, it, it will be authentic for me to be spruiking it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's not even spruiking when you actually – yeah, you yeah, that's what I mean. Care, you actually like, care about it. If you, if you get, it, that's the reason why you've had, you know, for someone in your, in your industry to still be able to be a model and and to to be a presenter and everything like that at forty years old, which 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 in your in your trade, like you you there is a shelf life, so 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 to speak, whether you, whether yeah. they people believe it or not, they 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 put one on you, but you don't have to have one, obviously, because no one would know that anyway, but. You don't 
if you if you aren't congruent, you you let you lessen the length of your career anyway. Exactly. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because you, you wouldn't you wouldn't you, have you, had... burn, you burn everything out. Like you burn all yeah. your all your all your bridges because there's only so much stuff you can do before it starts to be spread too thin. Yeah. So that I think that's one thing a lot of the girls can learn from you is the fact of like there's a lot of potentially girls on Instagram that I see that are, that represent a lot of brands. Yeah, you've got to, you've got and to have some integrity. Otherwise, it just you you just you you burn fast and bright, and then you burn out. Yeah, it's like I, I prefer the low slow burn. <laughs> yeah. So so you so your advice would be then just to really sit with yourself and only pick things that fully resonate with you at that time. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And and also, you know, alongside, you know, aligning yourself with other brands, maybe think about what your, your brand, brand is, is and yeah. where you can go and maybe what you can sort of bring to the table rather than just being the face of something. Yeah. Do, what what was a key point in your life where you've you've where something fucked up has happened, but you've learned so much from it? that it's actually been a like, real positive thing for you going forward? Um, definitely the, the Miss Universe thing at the time was was pretty daunting for me. I was a very green 24-year-old. Like, I was one of the older girls in the in the pageant in terms of most of them were sort of 18 or 19. I was 24. And then, you know, when the topless pictures came out, everyone around me kind of panicked and I kind of seem to remember going oh god okay is it that bad and I fed off their energy energy and you know there was, there was this one person who um who was I realize now was just just a complete um parasite she just she wanted the publicity because she it turns out she's trying to start her own PR company or whatever and so she made me think it was the worst thing in the world she's like what are we going to do we have to go into damage control and I was kind of like I knew those pictures were out there I like those pictures I think they're very very tasteful there's nothing wrong with them at all I'm celebrating the female body what is so bad about showing some boobs and some bum like in a really tasteful non-sexual way like they were really beautiful pictures and and I remember just sort of thinking, wow, everyone's really overreacting over this. But then I got fed up, I got caught up in it and I started to panic and I started to worry about what people thought. And I returned to, you know, there was a lot of media interest in, oh, my McNaughty. Oh, so tell us what happened. And, and I kind of. It's a bit it, of a it, non-story really. It is. It is now. And, you know, to, to sort of be this person that I am now, like I'm so confident. I'm like, oh, whatever, some boobs, bum, whatever. Um to think back at how much it affected me I actually remember the first time I read um like on an online forum um in like a chat you know online chat or whatever and someone said oh my god she's so fake she's definitely got cheek implants and this is like 2008 or something or seven and I burst into tears I was inconsolable I was just like reading this article going they think that I'm fake I'm like I've never even touched my face and I look back and I just laugh. I'm like, oh my God. Like if you read, I mean, this was sort of before the days of social media. Like this is 2007. I don't even think Instagram was around. So trolling was not really commonplace. So for me to read that, I was like, I've always been so um, honest and and sort of feel like I've always, like I hate injustice. So to be, to be, to have this person write this comment, oh my God, she's got cheek implants. I was like, how dare she I don't know I'm cheeky and now I'm just like god like 
the things got, that we the things the that you things, get worked up over yeah, the things that we worry about in our lives that don't even fucking that matter don't matter in the slightest and that's and that's another thing that you kind of realize after you have kids is you see them like you know like my my seven-year-old um f- until he was probably five or six wouldn't eat any food if it was broken so like say a biscuit or a cookie or like you know an icy pole if the icy pole broke in half like it's broken and i'm like dude it still tastes the same like just fucking eat it (laughs) then it just makes you realize like why we are we how we are when we're you know in our teens in our 20s in our 30s like you you just continue constantly evolving and i don't think you can turn around like for me as a as a 39 year old to turn around to a 21 year old and say don't worry about that. It'll be fine. Once you get to my age, you'll understand. Because they're not your age. They have to yeah, learn it they, for themselves. They, you have to live it. Everyone, yeah. ha- everyone has to live it. You have to live it. You have to live your life and, and figure things out for yourself. Like someone can tell you till they're blue in the face, but you'll never believe it until you're ready to, until you're, yeah. you know, you're, you're open-minded enough or you've come to enough kind of conclusions to, to fully accept it. Yeah, I love it because there's two, there's two reasons why I love this podcast is because one, we've given a, a full insight into like the fact of like any woman can go out there, whether they, whether they want to have kids or not and achieve anything that they want to do. And the second thing is like for, for men to understand that like, you know, a woman has to have her own purpose on the side of your purpose and they both have to be aligned to have the relationship that works in the way that you know, you probably want your relationship to work and stuff like that. I think there's yeah. a lot, I think there's a lot of power for that. And I just want to thanks, thank you for coming on the show and, and dropping the bombs on it. <laughs> oh, my pleasure. I hope, I hope your, uh, your listeners have learned something interesting. I, I think, I think, <laughs> I think there's a lot of little sound bites in that that will, that will hit their ears at the right time. And, and, and I tend to think that when people listen to content, especially if they got to like this point in the content where we were ending up, if you've listened to it and you've kept listening to it, you've obviously listened to it for a reason. There's obviously something you're meant to hear within that content. Otherwise you wouldn't be here in the first yeah, place. Yeah, something that's at home, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Something, something's working on there. So yeah. guys, do me a favor. Um, I'll tag Erin's Instagram in in the bio as well. But if you could do us, if you just message us um, what you think of the podcast and all that, Rasmus, be kind and share it on your socials and, and obviously just give, give me any personal feedback at Frankie Lee on Instagram as well. Thank you so much. Thank she, you. Look, Beth, look, let me tell you something, right? She's been up since f- this 4.30 a.m. shooting on, on Magic Millions. She's, oh, that horse was nasty too, man. Yeah, she, <laughs> she, she's been doing bits. I just appreciate your time. I really do. And much love, guys. Thank you very much. Don't forget to subscribe to the Frankie Lee Podcast.